All right, well, welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and this is a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Hey, before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to remind you to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory. It really helps us out over here, and it helps us even more if you take the time to leave a five-star review. The algorithms of podcasts help people just see it more if we get more reviews. So if you have time, give us a five-star review. Also, if you want to shoot me an email at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com, I would love to hear from you. I would love to find out what you think of our podcast episodes, what you'd like to talk more about, Maybe if a podcast episode really impacted you, I'd love to know that. So shoot me an email. And and as always, we always have all that information in our show notes for you to find that email if you want, if you don't have a pen right now to write it down. Well, hey friends, I just wanted to tell you about something really exciting that we're doing over here at Unshaken. We're gonna start a book club. Isn't that fabulous? During season three, one particular book kept being mentioned in the interviews I did. It was mentioned actually four times. I thought it would be great to read this book and talk about it more, so I invited my friend Erica Simpson to join me each week during the months of June and July in a little mini bonus episode series. It's going to drop the same as our regular episodes. I hope you'll join us. We're going to be discussing the book, How to Be Free from Bitterness by Jim Wilson. You can order this on your favorite online bookstore, but you also can find a free PDF of it if you Google it. Um, And then you can just print it out and read it. Um, You're just going to read one chapter a week and then tune in and we're going to talk about how this book has impacted each one of us and I think how it's going to be impacting you too. These episodes are going to just drop right along with our regularly scheduled Unshaken episodes each Thursday. I hope you'll join us. So you know, we've been talking this season about how we are supposed to respond to the gift of salvation that God gives us. And of course, let's just pause for a minute. That gift of salvation is really just the fact that we understand we're sinners and we can't do anything to fix that. We need something else. And what we need is the gift of God and the gift of forgiveness that we get through Jesus and the fact that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. So today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our response to that gift of salvation. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about um, the importance of church. Now you might be sitting there thinking, okay, like, I don't know, I've never really thought about this, or maybe you have before, but you know, maybe you're thinking, do, do we actually need to attend a church? I mean, maybe I can just do it online, right? Or maybe you are thinking, does God even care about this situation, or this, does God even have an opinion? Um, what type of church should I even attend, and what are some of the benefits of being in a church? And we're going to talk about that today with my guest, who I'm really excited about. She's a dear friend, and she has a lot of really good wisdom on the topic of whether or not church is important. So I want to introduce to you my friend Adrian. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Now, usually Adrian, I I when I have a guest on, I ask them a whole bunch of questions, you know, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite place to go? Who are your favorite people? But today I'm going to do something different. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Instead of asking you questions, I decided to ask your daughter questions. Your daughter Audrey, who I know, and I said, "Hey Audrey, tell me a little bit about your mom and uh, give me an introduction for her." So, are you ready for this? Absolutely. I, I hope so, because here we go. <laughs> Here's what a- Audrey says about you, Adrian. 
If you want someone who will genuinely listen to your three-year-old recite shot for shot his favorite TV episode, this is your lady. Is that true? It is. I listen to little kids' dreams, too. Oh. I enjoy that often, too. <laughs> I love it. Okay, next thing. If you want someone who will, out of sheer willpower, create a virtual after-school kids' Bible club despite only recently learning the term upload, this is your lady. Is that true? Yeah, yep, it's Okay, true. I got more questions for okay. you about that one yep. later. If you want someone who bases how much she likes something on how sparkly it is, this is your lady. Well, I, it's not like sparkly like jewelry or something. I just like glitter. I think glitter glitter makes me happy. Okay. Lots Do you like glitter in your carpet? Not so much on my <laughs> carpet. <laughs> That's super fun. So you let your kids use glitter. Yeah, and like yeah, like it's I love fun. buying my younger daughter glittery clothing Shoes. because I'm too yeah. old to wear that. Yep. So you yes, know. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> if I yeah, could, I, I would. would. I would like to see you come to church with glitter shoes. Yeah, I might do that someday. <laughs> okay, last one. If you want someone who is not technically trained as a clown, but can somehow juggle having six children, seven grandchildren, and at least eight women's ministry positions, this is your lady. Yeah, I think um, Audrey did a nice job of describing you. Well, I didn't. You. I didn't know about the glitter, but that's okay. We learn something new every day, right? Yes, that's true. Okay, but let me ask you some more questions about the virtual kids club that you talked about earlier. So, how long have you been doing kids club in general, and has it always been virtual? Okay, so kids club is a ministry that happens in the public schools, and and we have always sent our kids to public schools. So I really felt drawn to this, and I would say about maybe ten years ago, we started doing between Christmas and spring break every Friday afternoon, uh, a Bible club at, at my kids' school. So cool. Yeah, so God has really blessed it. In the last few years, we had like 120 kids coming. Wow. I know, which kind of blows me away. And um, very and thankful school, to God. And the school just let you use their facility or you... Yes, we did it, yes, which... I mean, we won't, that's for another podcast maybe, but it's actually legal to do that because, awesome. you know, if schools allow Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, they also have to allow something like this. It's protected by the Supreme Court, which is awesome. But yeah. anyhow, clearly this year we were not going to be able to do Kids Club. So I was thinking, I, you know, most of these kids are unchurched and I just really don't want to just have the whole year be a wash and yeah. a waste. So um, my kids and I came up with these, we recorded five virtual Kids Clubs and they ended up being very fun. They were oh. like we acted out Bible, um, we acted out Bible stories, and had lots of creative, fun things worked into the videos. And it was just it was a labor of love. It was not something I knew how to do ahead of time. So I don't know that I'll ever do it again. But I was thankful. <laughs> I was thankful that they we were able to do it and that we could send those out to all the kids. Well, I love it because you pursued, you know through something that was difficult. You know, like the, the COVID thing could have said, well, we can't do kids club, so we just aren't gonna do it. But instead, you, God gave you the ability to be creative, and I know your kids are very creative too, so I think they were helpful in it. And I watched all of them. They were oh. very well done. Well, praise God. Thank yeah, you. they were great, and so that's cool. And then it's cool because kids can watch them anytime, right? Yeah. Like they don't have to just be in COVID. They can right. watch exactly. them whenever. Yep. So let's jump into this topic today, Adrian, about the importance of church and really just being in community with other believers as well. We're going to talk a little bit about both those things. So I guess the first thing I'm going to ask you is something we always ask on the Unshaken podcast is what does the Bible even say about this topic? So what does the Bible say about the importance of church? Okay, well, let's let's just start in the New Testament. And a good starting point is to realize that the writers of the New Testament, they just assumed 
church membership. Mm-hmm. That being a believer in Christ meant being part of a church body. That mm-hmm. was just an assumption. And the Gospels tell us about the life of Christ, lots of details about his life. And Jesus, of course, is our example as Christians. Sure. And he went to church. Yeah. Luke 4, 16 says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Yeah. So Jesus went to church every week on the Sabbath. And then you get to the book of Acts, which tells us about the lives of the apostles after Jesus died and was resurrected and returned to heaven. And the apostles' lives were dedicated to building local churches. Mm -hmm. That's what they did, to tell people about Jesus and then create churches for those new believers. Yeah. Yeah, that's all over the New Testament. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the work of the apostles was to create churches, really. And then the epistles, those are the letters in the Bible written to believers about how to live as Christians. Those take up almost half of the New Testament. Yeah. And if you read these letters, you'll find that they are intensely practical and they're very helpful about how to act and how to think and how to live in a way to please Christ. And they are all written within the context of a church. They're not written within the context of being a lone ranger Christian who's doing his own thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's helpful to remember that the Bible has a lot of really good examples of churches. And those letters are good, the epistles. I think those were some of the first books that I just, I love the book of Philippians, which is a letter. And it is, you said intensely practical, and you are right. It is intensely practical for those who are in the church, how to live every day. Right. And that letter to the Philippians was written to the Philippian church. Yeah. Yeah. Each of these epistles were and they would to share it right to, from church to church. Yeah, they, you know, so, yeah. Some of the letters were circular, but some of them were specific to yep. a particular church. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so then I want to ask, why is the church important to a, a believer? Like we see that we're supposed to go to church, but yes. you know, maybe it's just something we do every week. Or why is it important to us? Okay, it really is. It really is an important part of a believer's life because. Through the church, the primary thing, the first thing, is that we build a relationship with God. It's a place where we can worship God. And I look forward to that worship every single week. And of course, I can sing to God in my house, or I can listen to Christian music in my car, but it is is simply not the same. And sometimes I'm in church, and we're worshiping, and we're singing together, and I have this sort of it seems like, like almost a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven. Yes. You know, it's a little <clears> picture <throat> of the worship that we're going to have in heaven, and it is just a supernatural thing. Yeah. And the church also helps us build a relationship with the Lord through godly preaching and through teaching in Sunday school classes and through Bible studies and through participating in the different sacraments. Okay, that the what, church has. tell me what the sacraments would be. Okay, so baptism. Okay. You can only do that in a church, you know. Yep. You, you know, yeah. you, you can, I could go out and dunk my kid in the river, but that's really not the same thing. The same? Right, right. You know, taking communion. Right. You know, I could, again, I could eat bread in my kitchen with other people. That's not communion. You know, it's, you know, God has instituted these sacraments that are established through being part of a church. For remembrance or to to profess something. They're a part of, of the church itself. Exactly. And, of course, as Christians... We need to be reading scripture on our own and praying on our own throughout the week daily. Which we've talked about on this particular season. So that's perfect. Perfect. But the benefits for a relationship with Christ from sitting under good and truthful Mm -hmm. teaching and preaching about scripture are just enormous. It's just a different thing than reading it personally. Yeah. I learned so much sitting on Sunday morning service, listening to our pastor preach or another pastor preach. It could be any of the pastors at our church. 
I always get a different view of scripture. Yes. That I would not think of, and I'm like, oh, good, you know? Right, exactly. And the Holy Spirit works that yes. way. To, yeah. Yes. And another huge benefit of being part of a local church body is that it gives you a place to serve others and to live your life with other mm. Christians. Yes. And honestly, a good church is, it becomes like a family. Absolutely. And your lives become intertwined as you spend time in small groups and in Bible studies and in church activities. And it's, it's like a family. Those are your people. Yes, they're your peeps. Those are right? peeps, that's right. <laughs> and of course, we can't ignore the fact that God himself says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. Yeah. And I mean, clearly God wants us to meet together in church. And there's there's blessing that comes to believers as they obey what God wants. Yeah. And God is clear that's what he yeah. wants. So we should and, want to obey that. And you have given us a lot of the benefits. Some of the things you told me were the fact that, um, you know, we can we can learn, we yep. can grow, we can serve, we can have a family. Maybe you're sitting listening to this podcast and you're in a different state from your family or you don't really have family anymore. That happens. Um, and it gives you a place to be known by people and connect. I love all those things. Mm-hmm. So I, I have been thinking a lot, Adrian, as we've been as I've been preparing for this podcast about what are some of the excuses that people might give? Because there's I've heard a lot and I'm sure you have. Yes. And and I actually would be honest, I've at times given some excuses for not attending something and made it like it was right. So mm-hmm. so um, let's jump into some of these excuses. I'm going to actually give you an excuse. Okay. Okay. As if I'm feeling ex- like I want to do this today. So okay. I'm going to give you an excuse and then we'll see what you think, how we should respond. Okay? okay. So excuse number one, I am so busy during the week. I really don't want to get up again. Like I get up every day to go to work and then Saturday my kids have a whole bunch of things. I just want to sleep in. Okay. So what do you say, Adrian? Well, we got to be honest here, Julie. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) If you're willing to get up early every other day of the week for various reasons, okay, our jobs, children's sporting events, various types of recreation, chores around the house, why do we draw the line on Sunday morning? Mm. What we're actually saying by sleeping in on Sunday is that work, children's sporting events, various types of recreation, chores around the house are actually more important than God. Mm. And it sounds kind of sounds kind of crass to put it that way, but isn't that what it actually means? Yeah. That you're willing to wake up in time to do those other things because they're important to you. They're a priority to you. And if you're willing to wake up for those other things, but you're not willing to wake up for church, then God just isn't as important to you as these other things. And that's kind of a scary thing. Yeah, Spending time in church worshiping and serving the Lord should definitely be more important to us than a soccer game or mowing the yard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point about the fact that it's really just about priorities. It is. Because if we really wanted to get up to go on a family vacation on Sunday morning, for example, mm-hmm. we would get up. We would totally If get we up. wanted to get up and go to the grocery store Sunday morning, we would do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating doing those. I think you should go to church. Right. But that's a really good point. It's a priority thing. Okay. Excuse yes. number two. Okay, Julie. Here we go. Someone might say, I don't need to go to church because I attend a Bible study throughout the week or I listen to a radio preacher on a consistent basis. And actually, maybe even after COVID, someone might say, I just watch online. I'm good. What would you say to that person? Well, I actually did a little bit of research when I was thinking about this question because it's interesting. So you know the Gallup polls? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So when Gallup polls Americans, about 40% of them report that they're regular churchgoers. 
Hmm. But when pollsters have examined what percentage of Americans are actually in places of worship on any given Sunday, the actual number runs more like 17%. Wow. 17%, yes. So people are either just not being honest when they report yeah. to Gallup, or they're counting things as church, like listening from home or attending a Bible study. But doing these sorts of things at home really are not church. Church is a place where we have community yes. with other believers and when we're where we're held accountable and you know where we're able to use our gifts to serve others. And church is a place where we can be blessed by those sacraments like regular communion. Sure. And, you know, we can't do any of those things while sitting in our living room listening to a TV preacher. Just none of those things are yeah. part of it. it. It reminds me a little bit of how things happened when all of the schools in America anyway went virtual. Yeah. It was really hard for students because they weren't in class. Yes. And I'm sure there are students that did fine, but there was a lot of students out there who struggled. Yes. And um, I think that's hard unless you're actually physically in the building mm -hmm. to be a part of it and to interact and ask questions and relate to people. For a student, I think the same analogy hits for going to church. Being an online service, sometimes you have to do that. There's occasional time, and we all had to do that during a time period. But now it's time to go back, be in your church, right. and be a part of it. Yes, yeah. it is. All right, excuse number three. Sunday is my rest day with my family. I love my family, and I just want to hang out with them. My kids, I got you know kids who are driving, and they have jobs, and they're in college, and I have kids who do play sports, and that just fills up the week. I just want a rest day on Sunday. And church just takes up a lot of my day, so... I think that's why I don't want to go. Okay, well, you know, that sounds kind of noble. I want a family day or whatever, <laughs> but okay, let's think about this for a minute. As a Christian mom, what's, what is your number one goal for your kids? Your number one. I Well, I definitely want them to follow God, but I like all the other things too. So Yeah, yeah but my number one goal for my kids, and I, I'm sure that for most Christian moms, yes. would say to grow up and follow the yeah, Lord. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And it would also be very nice if they got decent jobs and got married sure. and came to visit me on occasion. All those things would be nice. But if they did all those things and they didn't grow up to follow the Lord, yeah. I would be devastated. Yeah. I would be devastated. So what is the most important factor in determining whether a kid is going to grow up and be involved in a church? And I'm, I'm not just saying whether the kid is going to grow up and attend church occasionally. I'm saying whether that kid grows up to consider his or her faith to be vital and who's involved in ministry and raises his own children to love the church. Well, yeah. the number one factor study shows is whether the kid's family is involved in the life of a church. And of course, we can all immediately think of exceptions to this. And, you know, kids who were raised in the church who reject it, kids who course, weren't yeah. raised in the church and then embrace it, you know, yep. but the general way that God blesses yep. often is that if mom and dad make church a priority over yep. other things, that that will be normal for their kids and their kids will grow up to do the same thing. And actually, I, I will share personally from my own life, yeah. this is true in my life. And here's why. My mom was a faithful church attender and we went to church on Wednesday nights for prayer meeting and we went to Sunday morning service and Sunday school and we attended Sunday evening and my sisters and brothers and I all went. And um, all of my brothers and sisters, except one, but there's four of them, so yeah. three of them, all attend church faithfully and are actively involved in their church and all love God. 
And now I'm seeing all of my nieces and nephews wow, God. follow God. Wow. All of them. I can't think of one of them that is not following God. And That's that is remarkable. not going into church, like being in church. My niece is involved as a youth helper. My nephew is a worship leader. I actually have two nephews that are worship leaders. I mean, from different families. Yeah. And um, it's just uh, my, my other niece married a pastor. The whole point is there is a benefit and it carries through and we're able to see that as a good thing. So. Yes, and if your mom had, you know, considered church optional or inconvenient, yep. those sort of things you might, you know, it just wouldn't yeah. have been communicated in the same way. And, so. and I will say one other thing about my mom, and I love her dearly, and I'm probably thinking she's listening to this. <laughs> she loved going to church. Yeah. It wasn't just a duty; she loved it, and her love for the church actually carried over to me because we both at times have had struggles with churches, mm-hmm. but she loves it and we keep going. So we'll get to more of those yeah. later, okay, but keep going, Adrian. I'm sorry right. to cut you off on all that. Oh, um, so really, if you're talking about family time, you want to take the long view, like what is your goal as a parent? And mm-hmm. the best family time is spent in church. And even if that means you aren't sitting across the table together at a family breakfast or playing, you know, having a, I don't know, a walk in the park together as a family or yeah. whatever, it's the highest value family time yeah. is to be in church together. And I think I will add that sometimes as a parent, um, I think you and I both agree, there's times you have to make a decision for your kid, help them see that church is important by making a rule. Yeah. I would say that we're not going to do soccer on Sundays or right. we're not going to participate in some event on a Wednesday night when it's youth group at our church. That's when Wednesday night happens or youth group happens. Right. I, I think that's important that we set that up for them to help them in those early stages. Okay. So yeah, when they're young, you make those decisions for them and then they grow up and they, um, you know, Lord willing, make those decisions on yeah. their own. And I, our, one of our sons was on his school's varsity basketball team. Um, for several years, which is kind of a big deal it, to be well, a varsity a, basketball player. Well, it's a really intense, like that particular yes. coach is very intense about practices, and they had practices on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And this was in high school, and he um, he decided that he was not going to do those Sunday practices. And the result was that he spent a lot of time on the bench, you know, because yep. he missed a practice. You don't miss practice in varsity level, but yep. you know, I felt like that was a very God glorifying decision that he was able to come to on his own because. Yeah, he's just been growing up thinking church yep. is a priority, yep. worshiping God is a priority, yep. and so yep. those are the things that. Well, and I'm sure knowing your son, he worked really hard when he was at practice the rest of the week. Yeah, and that's important too to be a witness right. in that way. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, so let's jump into another excuse. Are you okay. ready? Yep. Okay, so this one's actually though a little touchy. Um, it, it might be a little difficult, and uh, but I think I think you're the woman to talk to about this. So, so I've had a lot of people over my course of my life, anyway, come and tell me that they've been hurt by the church. Maybe it was something that happened in the church. Maybe it was a specific person at a church. Like, why do people get hurt at church, and is that really an excuse to stop going? Yeah, I've, I think this is a pretty huge factor. I, I've had that same experience where. I've known people who have negative experience in a church and then they never find a church again yep. and it's just it's been a really hurtful thing for them and so they don't want to risk getting hurt again. And this really is it's tragic. I mean people get hurt by the church because the church is filled with people. Yeah. And people are not perfect and even those who love Jesus and want to live in a way that pleases him are sinners. And 
if we're living our lives together, we're going to sin by hurting each other's feelings and by overstepping our boundaries and by showing favoritism and by being selfish or by gossiping or by being easily offended or by not returning someone's casserole dish. Oh, jeez, yeah. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing is that we need to understand that all sin just points out the fact that we need Jesus. Yep, and all people in the church need Jesus. Everybody does, right. So if the church were filled with perfect people, there would be no need for Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really relatively common to be hurt in the church um, because all the people in congregation are like sinners. Right. Just like you said, and and we're going to be hurt. I guess maybe we need to change our view and realize we're, it's going to happen at times. Mm-hmm. So I guess now I think since we've kind of established that this is just going to happen at times in a church. So how do we respond when we get hurt in the church or by someone in the church? I want some like practical steps because I think this is a big issue. I do too. So when we've been hurt, we, we really do need to take the issue to God first. And so often our first inclination is to pick up the phone oh. <laughs> to tell someone else about the hurt that we've sure. received. Like that's just our natural inclination. But we really need to take it to God first. And sometimes as I've prayed about a hurt, I've realized that I was actually the one in the wrong, or at least that I share some of the blame. Yeah, definitely. And at other times, praying to God just softens the hurt. Other people won't love us perfectly, but God always does. And we need to remember a verse. There's so many verses that are relevant in scripture about yeah. this. And you know, First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Yeah, yeah like God sees what's going on right he sees and knows knows, and he loves us perfectly even though people will fail us yeah and okay so the very first step is to not call and you know blast off about how (laughs) we've been hurt to someone and um, we need to pray about the hurt and next the second thing we need to do is we should approach the person who hurt us and this doesn't mean that we should hunt them down and angrily (laughs) confront them it's always good to wait a bit, just take to calm down. And lots of times if what you say one day when you've been immediately hurt would be very different if you just, you know, it's the classic write an angry letter and then put it aside and then see the next day if you want to mail it and usually you don't want to mail it. Yeah, in the coaching world, they call it the 24 hour rule. Oh, that's good. When you are upset with your coach, you're supposed to wait 24 hours before you talk to him about something that happened. Because it, I think that's what it does. It, it gets rid of that immediate intense emotion. Yes. And, and you can kind of weed through it mm-hmm. and think what's really real, what really needs to be dealt with. Right. Because sometimes there is. So so 24-hour right. rule. That's a, I like that. Yep. And um, we also we need to approach them mm. humbly. You know, Perhaps there have been things about it that we've misunderstood or we don't have the full story. That is very common. Yes. And so the Bible... Mm-hmm very wisely in Matthew 18, 15 talks about what we should do with a hurt. And it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Mm. If they listen to you, you've won them over. So yes, we're supposed to talk to them about the, you know, the offense. And often, sometimes hurt can just be resolved just by talking about it. It can just sort of diffuse it and and sometimes they might not even know that they've done anything to hurt you you know so those lines of communication really need to be opened up very quickly and oftentimes i like what you said about you don't always get the full story yes like that helps you to get kind of the full story out on the table and sometimes when i've done that i've realized oh yeah there's uh that was not really what this person meant or yes that was only one portion of what they said they also said all of the rest of this and that explains it so exactly i think that's good 
Yes, and then finally, we do need to work on forgiveness. And forgiveness isn't easy. No. It can be a process rather than a one-time, oh, poof, now I've forgiven the person who hurt me. You know, it's, it takes discipline to take our thoughts captive and kick them out over and over and over. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, or we have a choice to do that or we have a choice to nurse those hurts and enjoy silently, you know, rehashing the hurt yep. over secretly enjoying and relishing that you know, yeah. indignation that we're feeling. Yeah. That's a choice, you know. And the truth is that forgiveness is not optional for Christians. Jesus says, if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Mm. And that's Matthew six fifteen, And that's really difficult to hear. Yeah. Because some offenses are really, really big. I mean, there are some things that are not like forgetting return to casserole dish. There right. are some things that are very painful. But this verse puts our lack of forgiveness into perspective. And yes. as a Christian, I've been forgiven of so much. I need to turn around and through the power of the Spirit, extend that forgiveness to, to others. Yeah, that's really, really important. I mean, all three of those things that you shared with us, you know, taking the issue to God and talking to the person and then choosing forgiveness. Right. I think it is a choice. And hey, you know, if you're listening and you have are joining us for the first time today, or maybe you didn't get a chance to listen to a previous episode, we have a really good episode on forgiveness that I did back in season three. I believe it's just call, called um, The Key to Forgiveness because we I talked with a woman named Cheryl Bailey and um, Cheryl and I talked, she brought up the point that forgiveness is a really hard teaching in that episode mm -hmm. and really good practical things, a little bit more in depth than what we've had a chance to talk right here. but. I just encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet, or maybe re-listen. Sometimes I re-listen to something and it, at a different time in my life, and exactly. it's helpful. So right. thank you, Adrian. Those were really good words. Now I want to click it, kick it to the other side, because not only do people hurt and offend us, but sometimes we're the one in the church hurting people. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the best course of action to fix it? Well, and like I said, when we're living our lives together with other people, we're we're going to cause offense at times, yeah. you know. So if if I suspect that I've offended someone, I know that I need to find them and I need to speak to them. Because yeah. while I'm saying, oh, you need to go find the person who hurt you, they're not necessarily going to find me and do that. And if yeah. I know that I've caused hurt, I really yeah. want to speak about that with them and not let it go. Yeah. And this can be super awkward and uncomfortable at times, but it's really important. And often as time passes, wounds don't necessarily get better. I mean, yeah. if, if, if it's just yeah. left undealt with, those wounds can fester and then things become really distorted and out of proportion. And if you can just nip that in the bud by quickly and humbly approaching that person and apologizing and discussing whatever occurred, that in itself can help diffuse the whole situation and it can just like not go any further. Right. And of course, it's important to pray before approaching them. Ask God to help you find the right words. Ask him to go before you to help soften the other person's hurt and anger. And I think ignoring the problem and hoping that it will just go away is not the right thing to do. Right. And I will say though, if you, if you are hearing this and thinking, oh, well, it's been two years and I just avoid that person now because I, right. you know, it's been too long. It's never too long. Yes. It's never too long to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. It's always the right thing to do. And I, I remember on the podcast I did with Cheryl, she brought up the fact that sometimes we've gone and apologized to someone and they have not accepted our apology, mm. um, but we've done what we need to do. 
And so then she talked about the importance of pursuing in just normal everyday relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was really helpful um, to think about when you have had a breach in a relationship and maybe the other person doesn't really want to forgive you, that it's good to keep praying about it and then seeing them when you can, talking to them. Because there is something about not talking to them that allows that to keep getting, that division to keep getting deeper or wider. So it's important to keep trying to keep the unity that we can in the church. I think it's a, it's a good thing. Oh, it's a wonderful thing because Satan loves disunity in the yeah. church. It breaks it apart. Yeah. You know? And it's interesting how it can happen so quick and so sly and so like kind of secretive. Mm -hmm. You know, when we get hurt by someone, we aren't usually, I mean, there are people who post it all over Facebook, but we aren't always doing that. Sometimes we're hurt and it's just like you use the word fester which is exactly what happens when we're hurt. We begin to fester and our wound just never heals. Okay, so sometimes there are situations where someone is stuck thinking, I, I, I just wanna leave this church. So is it ever okay to just leave the church? Can I just pack up my bags and go? And is there ever a reason to do that? I do think there are some legitimate reasons to leave a church. I do. I think the most important one is when it becomes clear that the church is straying from true biblical teaching. Okay. Okay, so I've known people who stayed in churches that were becoming increasingly heretical, saying that they wanted to stay to affect change. Okay, now stop for a minute. What do you mean by heretical? Okay, so heresy would be some you know teaching that twists or goes against what the Bible teaches. And heresy would say, oh, Times have changed since the Bible times. God didn't really mean such and such. So it's new teachings. You okay. Know? So give me an example of something that you are talking about. Okay. Um, I would say something like, um, let's take the example of homosexuality, which is a huge... That's a big topic. That's a big that's topic. That's its own podcast, That is its Adrian. own podcast. <laughs> but let me just use as a quick example. You know, the scripture is just so clear from one cover to the other about how homosexuality is not according to God's plan and how God judges that as sin. Yes. And I mean, it's really clear. You, you really have to like cut out sections of scripture if you are going to believe right. that homosexuality is, is fine in God's right. eyes. And so that would be, you know, that would be a heretical teaching to say, oh, well, God didn't really mean that, right. you know, going against thousands of years of teaching. You know, anytime that I hear a new perspective, yep. that immediately throws up red flags to me because yeah. God never changes. Right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Scripture teaches us. So if we're coming up with new understandings of Scripture, that is very dangerous. Yeah, and I, I think that there are times that a church will take what's in, happening in the culture yes. and make the Bible fit with the culture yes. instead of going with what the Bible says and adjusting your culture with what the Bible says. I think that's the issue. You know, so that that's a yeah. great example. Okay, anything else? Um, yes, so <clears throat> I think it's also important to attend a church that is a reasonable driving distance from your home. Oh, that's and by, good. And by reasonable, I believe, you know, the church is close enough that you can be club plugged into the life of the mm -hmm. church. And it's one thing to be able to manage a long drive on a Sunday morning, but living far away might prevent you from plugging into a small group or bringing your kids to youth group or joining in just the various social events of the church. Yeah. Um, having people into your home, going to their homes for various reasons. And actually, 
at our church, we do have a couple of families who've managed to do this, although they live about an hour away. And it's been heroic on their part. Yes. They've, they've done it. <laughs> and you can see the fruit of their efforts in the lives of their kids. Yeah. But there have been others who've come to our church for periods of time who live very far away and eventually left because they really needed to find churches in their own communities so that they could plug into the life of the church. Yep. And, and I think it was good for them yeah. to do that. I think it was yeah. it was helpful for their Yeah, families. that's more of a practical side yes. of what's going on in, in just the idea that it is important to be involved um, in the whole body of the church, like right. being involved in all the activities. At one time we were in between churches, this was 12, 14 years ago, more than that probably, and we were in the middle of visiting churches to pick a new church because we had for some reasons left our last church and um, I remember going to a church and this older gentleman pastor at the church said well if you're going to check out a church here's what I want you to do I want you to go to everything that they offer in that church Mm -hmm. for a month go to everything if they have a potluck go to the potluck that was when potlucks were a big thing if they have you know youth events get your youth group kids there if they have kids events go and see what it's like because you do not get a picture of the church on a sunday morning and i thought that was really really wise advice that is really good advice. and um very very good okay. all right so i have another question i am full of questions today Adrian. okay all right so some of our listeners are probably ready right now to look for a church. Maybe they've not been in church or maybe something happened. Some churches struggled a lot during the COVID situation uh, when they weren't in. And so maybe their churches fell apart and they need to find a church. Um, Now I would say to anyone who's listening, if you're near the Toledo, Ohio area and you want to find a good church, come to Christ the Word. We would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday morning at 1030. You can check out our website at ChristTheWord.com. But maybe you're not local to Toledo, and um, so I wanted to ask a really good question to you, Adrian. What would be some good things to think about if someone is heading out to look for a brand new church? Well, I love the piece of advice that you just gave about how you really do need to invest a little bit more than, oh, let's go to this service and then this service and this service. You might get a bit of a flavor of the church, but not you're not going to really understand what the church is without a little bit more of a commitment. Yeah, you know, and seeing all the ins and outs. Yes. Yes. So, but I do think the most important mark of a good church is whether it has solid biblical preaching. Does the pastor preach from the Bible or does he give little sermonettes with pithy little stories copied and pasted (laughs) from sermon help books? Yeah. Do the leaders in the church hold to the Bible as it's written or do they seek to interpret the Bible in new ways like we were just mentioning? Yeah. Do, this is really an important one. Do the leaders in the church know their flock? Hmm. Or, you know, do they care about the personal holiness of the people sitting in the pews? Do they care about their own personal holiness? And also for the people who attend, do they care how those people live? Or is the general attitude of the church one where it just says, okay, we can teach the people the Bible, but it's not our job to hold them accountable in any Mm -hmm. way. Because if you look at scripture, it clearly is the job of the church to hold people accountable. Yeah. And to lead them to holiness. And that isn't done, holding people accountable isn't done out of rules and rigidity. It should be done out of love. Yes. Because you care, just like a shepherd would care for his flock of sheep. Exactly. So when one is hurt over along the, you know, the edge of the, of the cliff, he realizes it. He can take them out so they're not going to die there. It's out of love. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's really good. And I think, I think you are so wise about the fact that it needs to have solid biblical preaching. Really, really important in today's day because we have a lot of, 
honestly, things that are preached or that are spoken that are actually not biblical. Right. But they sound good. Yeah. You know, they sound great. I mean, we can just look at Facebook or Instagram for memes that sound really good about church or about something that sounds spiritual, but it really has no basis in spirituality or, or God or Jesus or anything. Right. So it's good to kind of think of things with a critical mind, I guess. Right. So... Okay, you know, um, we've talked a lot about the church, and which I, I think is great. But Adrian, do you have any particularly personal stories about when God used the church, um, maybe in your personal life or with your family or in an individual's life to help them, how the church has really blessed you um, or encouraged you or helped you? Okay. There are so many that it is hard to narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep this to a size, yes, you know, podcast yes. to a certain length. <laughs> I've been really struck lately by how instrumental the church has been in the raising of my kids. Hmm. And there's that phrase, it takes a village. It's actually kind of a secular term and it's a little sappy, but there is truth to it. And in the case of our family, the church has been our village. I have six kids. There are a variety of ages. It took us quite a number of years to have all those kids. (laughs) And it has been absolutely pivotal in their lives that there are people other than my husband and me who care Mm. for their souls. Like I can't emphasize that enough. There are people other than their parents who care for their souls. And this has become particularly true and important when they hit youth group age because Teens and preteens naturally move beyond their mom and dad at that age, and they need those peer connections, and they need the influence of other adults other than their parents. Mm -hmm. And at our church, there's people who have really invested in my kids' lives and who care about their holiness and their walk with the Lord. And it's not just about a couple hours at youth group, you know, playing fun games or something on a Wednesday night. It's about living their lives together and holding each other accountable. And I feel like if one of my kids started acting inappropriately, it wouldn't just be the youth group leaders challenging them. Their friends from youth group would take them down. (laughs) In love, of course. Yes. And they they would know what's really going on with my kids because they're real with each other and they have prayer groups together and they have accountability text groups and they have fun together. It's who they hang out with. And they spend their time together doing crazy, wacky, fun things and also talking about real things. And I've often thought if all I had to do was raise productive, law-abiding citizens, that would be a piece of cake. Yep, yep. (laughs) And what's harder as a Christian parent is to raise kids who love and follow the Lord. And this is clearly the work of the Holy Spirit. And we can't claim any work that is really the work of the Holy Spirit. But the church has totally had my back in this. And the support has been incredible. And... I do, praise God, see real fruit in the lives of my kids. Yeah, that is a really good truth. I um, I can tell you my own my own experience only from being a teenager in the church is that during that time when I was maybe 7th grade, 8th grade, we had a woman in the church who really began to pour into me. And I loved my mom and had a good relationship with her. But this woman who didn't have children, she and her husband never were able to have children. Her name was Eunice. I love mm-hmm. it. And she was faithful to teach Sunday school, and she taught the pre, the like the junior high class, and then it was a very small church, so there was like five of us in there. And she poured into me, and then she moved up to high school when I moved to high school, oh, and wow. she was my Sunday school teacher then. And you know what was really cool is everything my mom was telling me at home about what God's word said, and sometimes I didn't like it. She was telling me the same thing, 
and I loved it and it impacted me to this day it impacted me um, I still think of her not only I think of her like as another mother really mm. and it was just you know maybe 10 years of time that I knew her well you know during my preteen and my teen and my college years that I spent time with her and I'm not sure where she's at right now but I do know that she loved God and she taught me a lot and I also think of the early mothering days you remember those days Adrian mm -hmm. those were so hard I mean, I have six kids as well, and I had little kids, and I had, I felt knee-deep all the time in stuff. I had stuff to do. There was stuff on the floor. There was stuff on the counter. There was stuff on my kids' faces, you know? <laughs> I was constantly doing that, and I was a part of a ministry at the church I was at at the time that was uh, a mom's group, and there was such a blessing to me to go to that group, sit with other moms who were experiencing the same things that I was experiencing, and hear women teach and speak to me on the importance of mothering and raising children and having children was good instead of thinking that you had to have a career to be successful. Um, also, I think it was helpful because there were women who were older than me, like a little further beyond, like their kids were teenagers, you know, at the time, or maybe they were, I don't know, they were grandmas, you know, at the time too. And they were helpful because they had, gave me perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those were two really, I can look at my life and see those two things were huge to me and I agree with you about youth group I agree with you about being in church and small group I've been abundantly blessed in small groups over the years I know so you have I, too yes. and have, I've had dark days and I've had women in that small group just come alongside of me and love me and, and care for me it's just a really great thing about church um, I think probably the single most thing I is as we've talked about the strong biblical teaching is about the growth that you and I both say we've seen mm -hmm. in our families. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably been the church that we're at right now, Christ the Word Church in Toledo, the place that I've seen my husband grow the most, that I've seen my kids grow the most, and it's probably been the church that has made me grow the most. God has used it. So, Well, Adrian, it has been really fabulous talking with you today about this really honestly important topic. If you could share one final piece of advice about church, what would it be? Well, I think it's clear. Go to church. Yeah, that's good. We need a if, bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have one, find one. Mm. It's not too late. It doesn't matter if it's been years and years. Yep. It's not too late to find one. Pray and ask God to direct you to a good Bible-believing church. Plug in there. Put down roots. Mm. Don't go in being guarded. Embrace it all. Embrace the preaching. Embrace yep. the relationships and then watch yourself grow. And you know, that brings a second question that makes me think those are really good pieces of advice, like just go do it, kind of, you yeah, know. just go do it. Um, it would be, there might be some challenges in it because you'll have to give up or change your life a little bit to mm -hmm. be involved in a church. And it might be an effect if you have children because it may be something new for them. Right. So there may be a time when you have to encourage them to go and you may have to spend a lot of time in prayer that God will bring those investing people right. alongside of your kids. Right. Um, because sometimes we have a passion, but our kids don't yet. So right. it's good to do that. Good. That's good advice. Hey, Adrian, would you pray for us and our listeners as we end today? Of course. Yes, I'd be happy to. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessing that you have given to people in the, in the form of local bodies of believers called churches. We, this is a gift from you, Lord, and you know that we don't function best as Christians, as Lone Rangers. You know that we need to be in community with people. You've caused yeah. us to be relational beings. And Lord, I pray for the listeners who are there um, listening to this podcast that you would give them wisdom 
about where to plug into a local church if they do not currently have one. I pray that you would open the doors and show them clearly where they should go. I pray that they would be abundantly blessed. I pray that you would prevent and protect people from going to churches that would lead them astray or teach them things that would not be biblical, but that you would um, grow us as believers through churches that would glorify you. And we thank you for this time we've had, and we pray all things to your glory and in your son's name. Amen. Hey, it has been great visiting with you all again on the Unshaken Podcast. Hey, join us next time for another important topic to any Christian, and that's hospitality. We're going to be talking for a couple of weeks in there about hospitality, how to do it. We're going to talk about why, some of the foundation of why we are called by God to be hospitable. And then I'm going to interview a woman in a couple of weeks on real practical tips and tricks for hospitality. So I think you're going to love those. And also don't forget to join us each week as we continue our mini series that we're doing called Book Chats. And we're talking about the book, How to Be Free from Bitterness. And I think you're going to love it. If you haven't listened, you can just go back and start over with all those episodes and join us also as we talk about that with Erica Simpson. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.